Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, Episode 12. Today's guest is Jill Zarin. You might know her from her Real Housewives of New York fame, but she's also a mom and multi-passionate businesswoman with a handful of titles to her name, including author, speaker, vice president of Jockey Hosiery, marketing consultant at her late husband's company, Zarin Fabric Warehouse, and owner of Jill Zarin Rugs. If you know me, you know I'm a total Real Housewives fan. It's 100% my guilty pleasure. So I'm excited to be sitting down with Jill today. Let's give a warm Zimmerman welcome to the Jill Zarin. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. So obviously, you're an original cast member of The Real Housewives of New York. What did you take from that experience that prepared you for the entrepreneur that you are today? Well, I was an entrepreneur before I started. I've always worked my entire life. My first job was at a Chinese takeout place when I was 14 years old, and I haven't stopped working. And there were some years I needed to work, and some years I don't need to work, but it's just my DNA. So um, your question was, now I forgot the question. That's okay. How did the the experience of the Real Housewives, how did that prepare you for what you're doing more? Well, it's not about preparing. It gave me a platform. You know, it gave me a platform to do what is just second nature to me and to a lot of the other girls on the show. And not just New York, but many of the other house, you know, housewives. Right. I think we're all... Um, I think everyone on the show, pretty much their nature is to be an independent entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, women tend to be competitive with other women, just like we get dressed for other women. You know, my guy, he could care, he'd rather see me with no makeup. Mm -hmm. He's like, every time I put makeup on, he says, take that stuff off. You know, we get dressed for for women. So um, I think that when you're five or six women on a show in an ensemble cast, it creates this competitiveness and jealousy. Mm. And it could be, uh, it could, you can make it a positive experience and use that as, you know, a driving force, or it could become defensive mode, or just jealous and trying to, you know, um, hurt other people's businesses, which is what happened to me on the show, that I was trying to do things. And um, I had some other housewives trying to hurt me. And that was very painful. And it cost me a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, I know our listeners can definitely relate to working in competitive environments. And you obviously, you just said that you experienced that on Real Housewives. But how do you, was there ever someone on the show that you thought, man, I really want to support this person? And how do you do that with with wanting to also promote your own product and your own business? Well, I've always been a giver and a sharer. And I always believe in like paying it forward. And if you do the right thing, things come back to you. So I am not a jealous person. I mean, sure, I'll have envy maybe or say, wow, I wish I had that or something. But I'm not like, I wish I had it and they didn't. Right. Or wish badly. And I think that that unfortunately is a lot of the housewives on the shows that they are jealous in a negative way. So for me, and I think you can pretty much ask every housewife on uh, New York, I have always been the number one cheerleader. You know, if you ask Luann, she's the first one to say, not only did Jill introduce me to help me get on the show, she's always supported everything. I show up at all her shows. I've shown up for all her, um, when she has, she launched um, a line of dishes and I showed up for her. And, you know, if someone's opening up a liquor, I open, you know, I always showed up book signings. I went to so many book signings and I would say that there are some girls there who always show up for the others. And there are some who don't show up for anybody except themselves. Mm. One of the things that I noticed just from watching you on the show was that you, you are, you are, you are a cheerleader and you like to, you like for people to win and you like to connect people. 
I do. I do. I want everybody to do well. I'm always, I'm always trying to help everybody else at my own detriment. And that's really the truth. Like I met yesterday, I went to a meeting. It's so funny. I went to a meeting. I, I have a new line of bedding and, um, and bath and all this stuff coming out this, uh, this spring or in the fall. And we're starting to work and develop it. And I brought some stuff for inspiration. So I brought some bedding ideas that were masculine, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, I don't think these are for you. I said, oh, no, no, they weren't for me. I just thought they were really great. So I wanted to give them to you to use for your other line because they have another line that's very male, male oriented. And she's like, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I said, I know, I know. I don't have to do that. But, you know, I saw them. I think they'd be good for another line. I think it'd be great. So like, who does that? You know what I mean? I'm always thinking of like how I can help somebody else doing what they're doing. Right. It's just who I if somebody has a business, the first thing I'll say is, do you want me to promote it? I have a big Instagram following. Do you want me to help you? And I don't ask to get paid. If it's someone I know, I don't ask to get paid. I just do it. Right. How many times do you see me? You follow me that I'm always promoting everybody's stuff. Yeah, you totally are. And I want to talk about that. I don't even know. I just like it. So I just promote it. Yes, I get paid for things that I do also and that I need to make a living, right? But um, if I see something I like, even if I'm not paid and I think it's great for my fans or followers then I'll post it anyway and tell you who, where to get it. How many times I get DM'd on Instagram, a thousand a week. Um, where did you get this? Where did you get that? Um, where did you get bossy? You know, anything. And I tell them I share everything. If I know it, if I can help. Right. I love that. I love that about you. Okay, so here's my question. So a lot of people might think, now this is just somebody from the outside looking in, that when you have a platform where you're well-known, somebody might think, oh, these people, they are just getting offers for these products or these lines and they just stick their face on it and they get a little commission and that's it. But so tell me, like, did someone come to you and say, do you want to start a rug line and put your picture on it? Or did you decide that I want to start a rug line? Because you have a background in textiles. So you, this isn't brand new for you. Well, okay. So the answer to them is it's true. You can go on TV and look at, I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but many, 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 many talk show hosts or in groups sitting at tables. I'm not going to, you know, like The View or or the uh, whatever those shows are. Many, many of them have started um, uh, lines of different things that maybe they like, maybe they didn't like, but they were definitely approached and none of them have survived. I can't think of one that I saw maybe for a year and it always dies because if it's not authentic to them, you don't, it's not believable. So I've been in decorating and textiles, you know, my entire life. Bobby owned, you know, Zarin Fabrics for 20 years. I worked there. Um, Which is huge. Can you tell people like what, like Zarin Fabrics, they were, they did the fabric for like theaters and hotels and. Zarin Fabrics is like a 10,000 square foot Mecca of drapery and upholstery fabric. It's still here today on the Lower East Side. I'm not involved in the business anymore. It, it was inherited by Bobby's children. Um, but I have, you know, I still have a good relationship with them. It's an amazing store. You get the best prices because they have it in stock and they're like 50% off of anything you'll see uptown. And, you know, fabric isn't like clothing, you know, that it goes out of style or in style. It either works or it doesn't work. It's not like so timely, you know, it's not really fashion, you know, it, it it either goes with your house or it doesn't. Anyway, so they're incredible. But I worked there for you know 15 years with Bobby. I know so I have so many relationships, but it's also because I love it. Honestly, all I do, I get up in the morning, I obsess over making my bed. That that's my obsession. Um, and now I, I figured out that if I tilt the pillows about 10%, they look a lot better than if they're up and down. I mean, these are the things that I worry about. You have no idea. And then I walk around my apartment and I will literally move like a book here or a lamp there or a candle here because every day I have to change something. I don't like to wake up and have the same thing every day. I have to move my books here. I move my, and maybe I'll move it back and forth, but everything has to move every day. I move something just so that it feels fresh, right? you know, like fresh flowers or anything. Um, Yeah. I'm obsessive. So this is so my DNA. Now, as far as the rugs, they came to me. They came to me about four years ago and said, we know you're at Zarin Home. We are an online. We are the largest online rug retailer there is. It's called Esale Rugs um, and Rugs.com. They're the same company, and uh, they said we are starting to get into licensed products, and we're thinking about who would be the best to go with. And we think because of your um, fan base and because of your, you know, your Zarin fabrics and because of you, would you like to do a rug line? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't mm-hmm. we, do, do, okay, we're signed. Like, put it in front of me. We're done. Now, most people, though, and I'm going to be honest, you know, don't really get that involved then. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they'll get put the line, you put your name on it, you could say yes, you could say no. Oh, no, I am all over it. As you can see by the names, every right. rug has a name and every downtown rug has a name. I approved, I sourced colors, everything with them. And especially like my outdoor line that I'm working on now, the reason why it's coming out now and it didn't come out last January is because when they sent me the samples, I didn't like the navy. It was too light. I was about to say, I can just picture you in a meeting being like, no, that won't work. No, we're not doing that. Put the take that back. I need real red, white, and blue. Now, I know you can't get real like dark, dark blue maybe because it's an outdoor yarn, whatever. But I said, I can't do this blue. It's too light. I said, I'd rather wait six months and do the red, white, and blue, that whole, I told you, I want the Americana, um, Hampton Z, Nantucket, whatever you want to call it, but very summer and fun. I need a navy. I have to have, and by the way, I'm saying this now, I haven't seen the navy yet. So watch this. It's going to come out light blue again. But I said, I have to have what I feel I can, I know my customers want, what I want is what hopefully they want. And I can't find it in the market. I can find the blue you made everywhere, but the blue I want doesn't exist. So it took us nine months. Right. And and I still haven't seen the final samples yet. I'm going to see them for the first time at High Point, but I saw all the designs and the colorations and they're amazing. I mean, they're exactly what people are going to want. I hope, I pray. Um, but yeah, I am all over it. So then now what happened, what you don't know is that um, I wanted to expand on that. And um, I met a company through um, a friend of mine who happens to also be a licensing person um, and said, Jill, I think that this company and you would be fantastic together. And we made a deal. It's going to be launching in March market and it's bedding and sheets and towels and all that stuff. But my bedding set, which will be like, I'm doing it so smart so that, you know how the thing is, is like, if you buy a set of sheets, you need two sets. You need one on the bed. And you need one in the closet. And then nothing mixes and matches if you mess up the timing. Like, let's say the sheet pillowcases are still clean. Why would you wash them? So now what am I going to do? Now I'm off. I'm not all. So I'm offering like a two-pack that will have two sets at the same time, four pillowcases, two top sheets, two bottom sheets, and it'll be like $19.99. That's so smart. And they, they, you won't have to iron them. They'll be right pretty, you know, listen. You might want to press it a little bit, but you won't have to iron them because they're going to have synthetic in it so that it keeps it flat. You have no idea what I'm working on. I'm changing fibers. So yesterday, my whole day was on inspiration and colors and da, 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 da. And then the samples will be here, you know, hopefully by January. And, you know, once we get through the process. Also, like when you do bed in a bag, you always get with a king bed, three little dinky pillows. Mm-hmm which really don't work on a king bed. I said, I, can I trade in three dinky pillows for one long bolster, please? Yeah. And she said, sure you can. I said, well, then why don't we do that? So I'm hoping we can do it. I'm playing it too soon. I hope I can do it and price it right because you still want to have a $79 or $99 bed in a bed. But um, anyway, so there's a lot of features that I'm going to try to add that are not out there, like a bed skirt, you know, like a bed um, scarf at the foot of the bed on a king bed. I like to have a piece of fabric like in a hotel, at the bottom to balance, and they never have them in the bag. I'm like, well, why can't we put it in? It's worth the $5 more. Anyway, so we'll see what happens, but I'm very excited. So you can hear my passion. And then I'm about to do, I think, outdoor furniture. So go with my outdoor rugs. Oh, that's going to be so good. Yeah. And then I've also got top of bed. I've got uh, slip covers coming, all these other categories, shower curtains. You know, the hookless shower curtain that has the plastic mold in it? Yes. We're doing all that. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, I want to be a brand that's known for, you know, value and um, things that you want problem solving. And I hope people email me and say, you know what? I really hate a zipper. I hate when the buttons are on the outside. I listen, I can't fix everybody's problems, but I certainly hear it all and want to fix as many as I can with uh, people's bedding and home and accessories. So if you have any ideas, let me know. I love it. Okay. So I've got two questions. Two questions came to mind when you were talking about that. Number one, from a business perspective, so you own your brand, you own Jill Zarin, but now you've got your rug line with one company and then you're going to maybe have these, the, the furniture and the bed in the bag and all that. That's with another company. So how does this work? Well, it's a work in progress on how it works. Okay. Um, I am, uh, Learning as I go along. And now I've been down this road before. I've had Jill Zarin jewelry and I had Jill Zarin bedding at Bed Bath Beyond and I've had Squeeze Couture. So I've done licensing before, Um, but that was a little bit scattered and it wasn't, you know, 
it was one here, one here, one here. This is really going to be Jill Zarin home decor. Um, so I probably will have to hire maybe a creative director at some point because my goal is, you ready? Yes. So each of my rugs have a name. So let's just say the Madison Avenue, okay? And it has a certain look. I'm going to hopefully have bedding to call Madison Avenue and, you know, um, towels that say Madison Avenue so that if you really are insecure about how you decorate, all you have to do is buy Madison Avenue and it all coordinates. That's my goal. That's really good. I love that. And I love that you're speaking it. You're like putting it out there into the world. That's so good. Right. Well, I could have like, you know, five different sets of sheets that go with the same rug. Um, and maybe I'll have that reference on it to the side saying this goes with these rugs or these rugs go with these sheets. Because I want to make it easy for people. Because when I didn't, I was very insecure when I was younger and I wasn't sure what to put with what. So if somebody could say to me, you know, just pick everything A and it all goes together, I'm happy. And there are so many people that just, I mean, they just don't, I don't, they just don't have the, this sounds terrible, but they just don't have good taste <laughs> and they need to just, for somebody to just say, here, buy this. It's all goes together. It looks great and put it in your house and you'll be confident with it. It'll be great. So that's such a good idea. But now I have a question. So, and this is something that I think about often when I see people that I know are well off or they, they don't have to worry about their finances or perhaps, or I, that maybe that's just my, maybe that's the illusion or maybe that's my assumption. But for someone who can buy a bag that's thousands of dollars or a dress that's thousands of dollars, you yourself would never buy a $79 bed in a bag, would you? Absolutely wrong. That's what I have in my in Florida. Well, t- okay. So tell me, so how, like, but do you I, think I went to eat, I went to, um, I think home goods, you know, because I look for good ones, you know, even Calvin Klein has bed in a bag. They all do. Yeah. There's different quality levels of bed in the bag, but you know, I'm going to hopefully have, and you don't have to do it all bed in the bag. And also you could do a bed in the bag cause it's so affordable. I once did it just for the pillows cause I liked them. And then what I did is I didn't like the cover. Like I didn't like the blanket. I thought it was cheap. So I put a duvet cover over it. Mm-hmm. So it became an insert. And in Florida, you don't really want down. It's too heavy. You're just a problem solver. I am. You're a problem solver. And you have a love of textiles from the very beginning. And you used to be, what, the vice president of a hosiery company? I started out as a buyer at Filene's department stores in men's dress shirts. And then I stayed in dress shirts on the sales side, got into hosiery and socks. I worked for E.G. Smith. And then I went for Royce Hosiery. But my last job was at Great American Knitting Mills as the president of Jockey Hosiery. So, um, but I've been with Nautica Hosiery and Gold Toe and all these different brands. I know a lot about the wholesale business. Um, and you know, my boyfriend is in the wholesale business and I've asked him to come and help me. I mean, that's a big change. You know, he does, he licenses brands. He's the opposite. He's the one who pays licenses and pays people for their license. So like Nautica he has, or Ben Sherman, he's got in the menswear business. So he knows all about the opposite side. So it's better, honestly, to be on my side, the licensee, licensor, than the licensee. So um, anyway, he knows all about it on both sides. So I'm asking him to come help me. I think it's really fascinating how most people would probably assume, oh, Bobby had this business of fabrics. And so Jill just piggybacked on that and now is into textiles. But really, that's just I just want to give credit where credit is due. I mean, you have been in the fabric and the textile business basically your whole life, my whole life. Yeah. I know about yarn. I know about supply chain. I know about, you know, everything. I really do. I don't know a lot about how it's made, like in terms of textile. So I'm anxious to go to um, China or wherever the factories are to see so I can learn how it works on a loom and everything else. Um, unfortunately, my rugs are made in Turkey, a little too close to Syria. Mm-hmm. So I cannot go there. I would like to go there and I've had, I've, I've requested videos so I could see what it looks like and how clean it is and who's working there and everything else, but I can't physically go. They said it's not safe for me. It's just, yeah. I'm Jewish and I'm from, you know, America and it's just not, but it's a great factory and it employs a lot of people and, you know, very proud mm-hmm. of it. Okay. So speaking of being Jewish, you wrote a book, Secrets of a Jewish Mother, and on page 210, you write... I definitely have a lot of money noise in my head. I'm very aware of what things cost. And some say I'm a human calculator. 
The only reason I got into a good college was my high math SAT score. People trust me with money and financial advice. When I married Bobby, my life changed. Bobby was a very successful retailer and real estate investor and was very generous. But deep down, I'm still very insecure about money. I wanted to work. I wanted to contribute. And I think so many women feel this way. Why was it important to contribute? And did contributing, did it ultimately shift your mindset from insecurity to security with money? Um, you know, I, I, I wrote that book like 10 years ago with my sister, my mom, and I don't remember writing that, but it's as, it's as if I wrote it today. Mm -hmm. That's how, that's how true it is. You know, I always have an insecurity with money. I get, I, you know what, the way I grew up, I didn't grow up rich. I grew up like I looked, I looked like I was rich. My parents never let me see them sweat. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I grew up in a, now I was a little girl. I knew nothing. I thought I grew up in a castle, right? It was a 1500 square foot house with one car garage, three bedrooms, two bath and an upstairs. I thought I looked like a King. I didn't know. I was a little girl. Right. But my right. parents, you know, did okay. And they did better over time and they had good years and they had bad years. My father was a lawyer. My mother was a teacher, very, you know, and, um, but my parents always, you know, told my sister and I how smart we were, how capable we were but to depend on no one that we should always be able to make our own living because you never know money is round. That was a big statement in my house. Money is round. It could come and it could go. And I can't tell you how many times in life it's true, either for myself or for people I love, you know, one minute they're rich and the next minute they're poor and it's, you know, whatever. But it's, um, it's knowing how that you could having the confidence that you can go out and you can work yourself. I like to have my own money because I don't want to owe anybody. I don't want to have to ask if I want to spend money on something that's super, what's the word superfluous. Mm -hmm. um, I, then I don't have to ask now, if I don't make any money, you know, I, and it's not a guilt thing, but it changes the power. Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly what it is. I want to have the power to make my own choices and my own, my mother would call it a knipple that a woman should always have a knipple money. Her husband doesn't need, need to know about it. By the way, Bobby hated that. He used to say to me, I don't like that. We talk about everything. We share everything. I said, you know what? You're very unusual, Bobby. But even with you, you don't need to know everything either. You know, if I want to go buy Allison something that you might think is unnecessary, I don't want to ask your permission. I don't want you to see it on my credit card. I want to make my, I make my own money. I can do whatever I want. And of course, there's the old adage that my money's my money, his money's my money too. But, um, you know, I just think that women have to have their own um, way to make a living. And if they, in their life, they're having children and they're not working and that's fine. And they should be with their family and raising their kids. They should know that if something happened, God forbid, you know, there was an accident, anything happened that they could get up and work. And that's why education is the most important thing you can give your children. No matter what, forget about clothes, forget about, you know, toys, forget about everything. Spend your money, educate your kids. And it doesn't just mean school. It means teaching them how to play tennis, teaching them how to play bridge, teaching them how to uh, play chess, all these life skills, because your kids can't buy it when they're an adult. That education, it's once in a lifetime. You get it when you're little and it ends at 18. Whatever you learn there, you learn there. And that's what you give your kids. And my, I had a boss once who said that to me. He said, um, you know, I spent all my money educating my kids, private schools, this and that. He says, because that's the only thing I could really give them that will be there forever. Right. That, that you can take with them. For, for with you. And that's how, by the way, that's how Jewish people in general um, think as a, as a group, because uh, the Jewish people have been pushed out and ex exiled from so many different countries over the centuries that um, it became like, you have to have a good brain because it's the only thing portable. You can't bring your factory and you can't bring this and you can't bring that, but you can bring your brain. And right. why, that's why a lot of Jewish people are doctors and lawyers and engineers because it's the brain. And that was kind of how I grew up. And my sister's an attorney and my father's an attorney and my mother's an, uh, a teacher. And these are the kinds of things. I was the entrepreneur. I wasn't a great student. I had, you know, I did the best I could, but I was, I was gone. You know, I was thinking about the things I was sitting in class thinking about how I'm going to make money and do other deals. That's what I was right. So I love what you say though about having your own money. We talk, Brian and I talk about that and we talked about our personal finances and how, yeah, we have a joint account for joint things, but we also have separate accounts that neither one of us see because of those things. If I want to go on a trip with my girlfriends, I don't need to ask permission for that. I have the power to do that on my own. And there's a difference between being completely codependent and choosing to live 
a life together. You know what I mean? And, but still having your own life. But anyway, I, I speaking of uh, your mom and Jewish mother. So I love on page 215 where it says, and oh my gosh, I think we could talk an hour about this. We won't, but I think it's so, it's so important. It says the Jewish mother has one rule for personal finance. Try not to be a complete schmuck. <laughs> A woman should always know where her money is being kept. She should know the bank accounts, the safety deposit key. She should have a file of her life insurance policies. She should know who has the original copy of her will. I love this because I think that I it blows my mind when I talk to people and they have no idea. They have no idea. They, they should like, buy my book. Yes. They need to buy your book. It's so good. It's so good. And I love the line where you said, people trust me with money and financial advice, because that's so true. I did. You and I had lunch and I was not going to leave that lunch table without financial advice from you. I gave you and I gave you people. I gave you sources. But the first thing I said to you is I'm not a financial advisor, right? I don't want you to trust me for anything like that, but I can give you people and access to people and to think about things to think about about how to invest money in real estate and things like that and what the ups and the downs are. You know, real estate's not liquid. If you lose a tenant, you got to be able to carry that that mortgage. Um, if you need money on the left side, you can't just go out and get money. So it has to be money you can not afford to lose, but afford not to need for a while. You've just experienced it. It's almost like you're a big sister who's just a few years older who's experienced it. And you're like, listen, here's my mistakes. Absolutely. And here's what you do and here's what you don't do. And it was really, it was really helpful. So well, I was yeah, so I'm, appreciative. I'm in a situation now. I mean, I share everything. Um, my, my husband died and he left me a real estate portfolio way too heavy in one category in retail, you know, so-called retail or, or um, pharmacies and things like that. I mean, he was right to have single occupancy tenants because um, they're triple net. And I'm not going to get into what that means, but it's a positive on the positive side. But on the side is if they leave, you don't have other tenants to pay it. Um, and it's just too heavy in one sector. So if that sector has a bad whatever, which is what's happening now, I'd rather have a little bit of a, uh, apartment buildings and a little bit of commercial rather than have all commercial. Do you know what I mean? So what I'm doing now is I'm trying to balance it. I'm trying to sell some things and buy some things, but it takes time. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight and commissions are expensive. And every time you make a move, you got to pay a fee. So um, there's a lot to think about, but having good advisors and good people and smart people in your life is the best advice. And if you know anyone, please tell me. Because I'm always looking for great people. I'm serious. A great lawyer, anything. I'm always looking. I know you are. You're so good. I, I always knew that you loved real estate. And by the way, my very favorite scene in all of the Real Housewives franchises, and you're probably going to know what this is, is when you go look at an apartment with Bethany and you just rip the, the plans out of the guy's hands and you are just, we could put the fireplace here and we could do that. I mean, you just took out, like you could just tell you have an eye for it, but I had no idea that you had your real estate license. Well, had is the word, your, your idiot friend over here. I was lazy. You know, I, I really bought, I got my license because I was buying real estate. So I just wanted to save the commission, you know, and keep the commission and that saves four to 6% and millions of dollars, a lot of money. But then um, Bobby was really, you know, doing everything and I wasn't doing any real estate. I get on the show every two years in New York, you have to take community uh, continuing education classes like two. So I did it, you know, after two years, then I did it after two years, then I did it. And then I forgot because I got my license like 17 years ago. So I've let it lapse. And now back then you needed 45 hours and to take a test to get it. I think now you need 90 hours and to take a test. And oh, I'd have to go do 90 hours again. But you know what? If I'm going to buy a big something and I have to do it to save money, I will because I think it's important. But yeah. um, yes, I did have my license when I was with Bethany. But you know what's so nice? And I'm not going to take credit that she learned it from me, that's for sure. Um, but fast forward 10, 15 years, she's on her own show with on Bravo with um, the other broker from Million Dollar Listing, Frederick. And I think I didn't watch it often, but I did watch it, some of it. And I remember seeing her in one of their houses or something, almost looking like I was. Mm -hmm. We should do this. We should do this. We should do this. And I'm like, good for her. Yes. You know, she done so incredibly uh, good for her. And she was a pioneer. She first did so many things. She did. You yeah. know, she did. So uh, and she deserves all the credit herself because nobody gave it to her. Nobody helped her. She didn't have a father guiding her. She, you know, she might have had a few dollars. but that's it. It's incredible what you can do with some grit. 
and a and a determination, really, just grit and determination to succeed, which is what she had. And I mean, I think I don't want to put words. I don't know her, but I would think you know y'all did have a really great friendship. You know, people come into your life for reasons and seasons and y'all were in each other's life for a season. And I think that you were, you were very helpful and influential during that time. I mean, anyone can see that who watched it. Yeah. And she was to me too. You know what I mean? I learned a lot from her too. I should have probably learned more. Okay, so summer 2019, imagine me waking up at 5 a.m., taking my kids to the gym while I work out with my trainer, going to the pool, playing blocks on the living room floor, and then wham, totally out of energy by 4 p.m., crawling into bed in my Christmas pajamas. I was already doing all the energy-boosting things I could think of. Then my nutritionist told me about Bee Powered from Beekeepers Naturals. I just take a spoonful of the Bee Powered Superfood Honey every morning, and I'm not kidding. I see a huge difference. I know not everyone can have a nutritionist, but anyone can get this superfood honey, and I'm making it even more accessible for you. If you use the link in my show notes or simply go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B, you'll get 15% off your order from Beekeepers Naturals. So if you're a tired entrepreneur or foggy-brained parent, you need this stuff. Again, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B-E-E. I want to talk to you for a second just about sponsorships and social media, because for me, I've been offered and listen, my audience is on Instagram is is not near what yours is, but I have been offered several sponsorships and been very, very choosy and picky about which ones that I've selected. And I'm just now promoting my very first sponsorship. Um, but do you do you I, what is which one is it? Who came to you? It's called Beekeepers Natural. And it is an amazing, it's like this, I interviewed Carly on the podcast. She's the owner of Beekeepers Naturals just recently. And it just is so fascinating what all these bees can do. They're like the, the number one. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I have a, I have a, de- I have a terrace outside my apartment, huge, with tons of flowers. I mean, you have no idea. And every day there's hundreds of bees. And so somebody who doesn't know, they'll come up and they'll come on my terrace and they'll say, oh my God, there's a bee. I'm like, don't touch my bees. Right. My bees, my bees give me my flowers. They make my pollen. They do it. They pollinate everything. Go away. They, you don't bother them. They don't bother you. And that's the truth. I could literally put my hands without, I wouldn't do it. I don't do it on purpose, but I'll go to like, take something um, like um, I was, I'm growing a lemon tree. That's like a little bush, more like a bush. And um, the new lemon blossom, the white flower of it was coming up and all the bees are on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um when I didn't see the bees there, you know, I went to go smell it because it smells so good. I can't even describe the smell. And there was another bee there that I didn't see, you know, and I got scared at first, but I'm like, I can, I can be here with him. He's fine. They're not going to hurt you. They aren't. And they help so much. They just do so much and it's incredible. So that's a product that. You don't have oxygen. I mean, people don't understand like the birds and the bees, literally, you know, absolutely. You know, and not just about that. It's about the world. Do you so, love your new outdoor space? I can't even, t- I never leave. I literally feel like I'm in a castle in the sky. I'm so, I've never been happier in my life. Um, well, I have a bad memory, so I pro- probably was really happy in my life before. <laughs> but like right now, I've never been happier in my life today. And uh, yeah, I love it. it. I love it. It's manageable and it's fantastic. I love it. Okay. So I do want to ask you, I want to go back real quick to, to social media. So once you get a platform like Real Housewives, I'm sure that the, the sponsorships start coming, right? So how do you choose what you're going to promote, what you aren't? Is it about money? Is it about the product? Is it about both? Do you have like a content calendar that tells you when to post or does, does Ruby, <laughs> the woman behind Jill's Aaron, who helps put things together? Does she, because we all have that, um, does she remind you to post like, hey, today you've got to post about flat tummy or something like how do you well it's just you know I, I wish I could say I have hundreds of them and I need to hire a staff to manage it I don't and nor, by the way nor would I because I don't want to flood my feed with promoting stuff mm-hmm. and I really don't promote things I don't like I mean I've turned down more like you I've turned down a lot more than I've accepted because um you know if I look into the product and I don't think it's good or I wouldn't take it or I don't think it would be good for somebody I'm not going to promote it right I don't need 
be that badly. And I can't say that about a lot of other housewives when I see them promoting stuff that I know they're absolutely not taking or using and they're selling it. I understand. That's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have lunch with you is because because Jill and I recently had lunch together and we she pointed to me to her um, apartment and I saw that fabulous um, space, that outdoor space. It looked incredible. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have lunch with you is because I can tell, like, I trust what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get that vibe from everyone, but with you, I trust that for whatever reason that you are telling the truth, that you're being honest. And I think part of it is because you are so honest and vulnerable about your, about your achievements, but also your mistakes. And not everyone does that. Oh yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I think it's, so great for people to hear because that's how we learn. I do. I share them. I should write a book of my mistakes. Don't do what I do. Last night I did, I was cooking and then I said, you know what? I'm going to video this. So Gary like did a video. I haven't posted it yet, but, um, you know, just giving little tricks to cooking. I forgot what it was like. Oh, so Gary said to me, how is your chicken so good that it's always Brown? You know, that I actually get it like Brown. And I'm like, Oh, you put a little flour on it. You just put a little flour, no butter, no nothing. You just put a little flour on it. And then what I do is, you know, those um, plastic bottles that you buy for a dollar at like Dwayne Reed or whatever at Bed Bath Beyond. Sure. That you can put anything in it, water, whatever. I used to use it for like my hair. If I, if my hair got dry too fast and I dampen it, whatever. So um, I fill that with olive oil, but I put a little olive oil in it. So I don't put too much stuff in the spray. And then I use that to spray versus buying the can of olive oil in it that I'm not sure if that's really olive oil. I can't see it. It comes out of the spray. I'd rather take my good olive oil, put it into a clear bottle I can see, you know, and then I spray it very little in the pan, like a Teflon pan. And then I put a little flour on the chicken and it makes it really crispy. That sounds good. So it's kind of like a, it's like a skinny way of frying Mm -hmm. it without frying. But anyways, little tricks of cooking. And I like to watch other people's tricks. You know what I've got? I'm going to post a video. I haven't done it yet. Do you know that there's a trick to filling um, a duvet cover? Like us, you know how the, okay, the hardest thing in making a bed for me is putting the, in a king size bed, the the blanket, the, the down comforter into a duvet cover. It always sinks to the bottom. Well, it's just shoving it in and not getting it right. And then getting it to stay in the corners. I can do it in 10 seconds. Nuh-uh. Got a trick. Uh-huh. And I'm going to do a video on it. I need to see that video ASAP because I, I do. I don't even put the duvet cover on anymore. I just have like the duvet and then a blank. No, you're just going to want to do it because it's such a cool trick. Okay, I can't wait. So anyway, so little things like that. Yes, I am a definitely, and I always say this about my brand, I'm a solution-based brand. I'm a value brand that it's going to, it feels like luxury. It looks like luxury, but you're not going to pay that price because I like a deal. If anyone knows that about me with my samples and doing my event with the giveaways, I love a deal. I spend more than anybody but I always get a lot for my money. And your rugs are incredible. Like I was looking at the website and I think that they're just so beautiful. So you have Jill Zarin rugs and you can go to jillzarin.com to, to learn more about those rugs. But you have two collections, the Uptown Manhattan collection and the Downtown collection. I personally love Carnegie Hill um, in that like beige color. I think that's so beautiful. And then I love so many of the downtown collection ones too. I can see them like in my kid's playroom. I can see one in my boy's room. I can see one in my dining room. Like they put one in Monroe's playroom and he's, and you know, he doesn't lie either. Jeff is as honest as honest. And that's, is he? And that that can be painful because if you send him something, he doesn't like it. He might tell everybody how he's going to let you know for sure. And by the way, he paid for the rugs. I did not send them to him. I have sent many rugs to many housewives and stuff. I did not. He, he bought them. And then he told me, he says, I didn't want to ask you. I'm like, you know what? You're not a schnurr. That was nice. I would have sent it to him for free. Of course I would have. Um, but anyway, he bought them and they are, and I'm not, okay. I'm saying it of course, cause I want to sell rugs, but I'm honest. They're stain proof to, to the extent that, you know, don't put permanent marker on it and, to, and call me up and say it didn't come out. Okay. But if you pour any kind of soup or wine or soda or vomit or pee or poop or anything from your kid or your dogs or, God forbid, your husband, um, (laughs) it all comes out. Now, listen, the sooner you get it out, it's always the better. But it doesn't matter if it's a week later. It comes out. You just have to get it wet. 
you know, you just have to get it wet. So the idea of the rugs is what it's made of is poly, I can't even say the word, polypurpurine or something. And number one, it's very inexpensive, which makes it why it's so affordable because it's synthetic. But the qualities are a word called hydrophobic, which I learned when I went to uh, design school. And what it means, hydrophobic means um, it's, it, hydro is water and phobic means afraid. So it's afraid of water. So the fiber repels water. So you know how you have that spray that you put on the windshield of your car and the water rolls off when it rains? It's kind of the same thing. It's think of like um, scotch guarding. It's like scotch guarded. And um, so basically when something pours on it, it actually will pool on top of the yarn. Yeah, it'll sink in. It's not going to stay on top. It will sink in, but it doesn't want to. And as soon as it has a chance to get out, it comes out. And that's uh, the best way to describe it. So, and they last, they last, I mean, forever, but they shouldn't last forever. You know, the whole, this is my thing about rugs and I'm a bit of a clean freak. Rugs, I mean, I never understood why, and I bought $10,000 rugs. Don't get me wrong. I have them. I've had them. I've given them away actually, because they're not good for me because they stink. So like the $10,000 rugs, why would you buy something so expensive that gets walked on and, and walked on and dirty? all the time. If you really think about it, you're better off putting something not expensive on the floor so that, you know, number one, if you, if it gets stained, you can throw it away and not kill yourself. Or number two, you can change it. You know, changing the rug in the room changes the room. And I show that to my followers all the time because I change the rugs in my living room on a regular basis just to show people. But if you don't, if you're not sure if you want to change your rug or if it's going to look good, you can't believe this. I've got an app, I've got something on my apps thing. If you send me, and you can send it to Jill at JillZarin.com, if you send me a photo of the room that has your existing rug or no rug or where you're considering putting a rug, but you're not sure, two things. I could recommend one and I'll give you three choices. Or you could tell me which rug you like in the collection or which two or three you like, and I will digitally put it into the room and send it back to you. And I will size it. So if you show me a room that has an eight by 10 in it already, I can size you a nine by 12 or a four by six. If you're not sure if you change the size, literally, that's how great the, you know, computers are now. I can, I can change. The re- well, you've seen that, right? On William Sonoma yeah. and stuff that you can like go into a room and put the furniture virtually into your room or mm-hmm. paint the walls. I just, I was, so in my apartment, it's all white walls. I like color. So um, I was, I, I wanted to try something and I wanted to do Hermes orange in my foyer. Oh, wow. That's bold. I was, but I was bold. It's scary. So you know what I did? I did it online first. I took a photo of the room. I put the paint on the, you know, Photoshop, took the walls, masked it, put the p- paint in, changed the few colors and the orange looked great on the computer. I could see it. And then it's, it's unbelievable. So did you do it? Of course I did it. I love it. I it's great. That's really incredible service for you to do that for people. That's really good, especially at this price point. Like, I don't know how you're making any money. So I just looked at this, this Carnegie Hill rug that I think is really beautiful. A nine by 12 is $399. My nine by 12 rug in my living room right now, uh, let's just put another three in front of that. Yeah, uh, And that's what it cost me. Is it what's it made of? Is it wool? I don't know. I got it at, um, I got it at market. One well, year. I bought a very, I'm not going to say the designer because I don't want to hurt them, but I bought a $5,000 wool rug um, uh, carpet for my bedroom in my old apartment. And within three days, brand new, because I just renovated my apartment and my dog, Ginger, I don't know what she did, if it was vomit, I don't know which end it came out of, but there was this like yellow green stain right when you walk in the door. Mm. Like right in that first corner, couldn't get it out, sent it, believe it or not, I had to move all the furniture out. I sent it out to be cleaned. They bring it back. The stain is still there, just a little lighter. And they put the rug back in the same position. I said, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you turn it 90 degrees so you don't see it when you walk in? Right. Anyway, so they turned it because I, I wasn't there when they did it. They had to redo it. They turned it. Within three days, she did it again in the same spot. Mm. I want to kill her. So the rug is gone. And I put in Jill Zarin rugs because I had just gotten them in stock. It was like when I was first starting. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter if she does. It comes right out. And Ginger's gone now. But, yeah. But Bossy has a party every day on my rug in the same <laughs> spot. She pees and poops in the same spot. She won't go on the wee-wee pad in my apartment. If I go to a hotel, she knows where it is, the wee-wee pad. Only in my house. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, she's my best model. Oh, yeah. She's cute. That bossy. He's oh, by the cool. way, I have an outdoor rug line coming out. I'm launching it at market in three weeks in High Point. It'll be available in stock 
starting in January, February. So we're ready. They're going to start like, I think at like 29 to $39 and go up to $99. And they're indoor, outdoor rugs. So you can use them in the house or outside. They're not as good as my indoor rugs are, right? They're not. That's what I love about outdoor rugs is they look just as good inside. Sometimes I prefer an outdoor rug inside. I think they're beautiful. Well, in a children's room, uh, if you can find the right colors, I would do an outdoor rug because you know it's waterproof. You know that no matter what she spills, the orange juice, the milk, whatever's going down, you don't have to worry about it. And Or, or you know what? Even if it's stained, you can throw it out. It's $39. You have to, you know, um, it, it will come out, but in the worst case, or you get bored of it, you can throw it out. Like outdoor rugs, really, at the end of the summer, you should throw them out. You don't want to save them. If they're right. Outdoor, exactly. Uh-uh. exactly. And yeah. you're right. Like a three or $4,000 rug, you, you want to hang on to because you worked really hard to earn that money and you spent it and that was like an investment piece. But a two or $300 rug, you're okay. If you want to build a great business or live a good life, you've got to plan for it. Every year, I take a whole month to reevaluate the past 12 months and figure out what worked, what didn't, and how I can create a life I love for the following year. I teach you my exact planning process in my program, Know Your Numbers, annual planning for your best year. If you want a free training to get some tips on planning your best year yet, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash KnowYourNumbers. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash KnowYourNumbers. How do you create boundaries and friendships when there must be I just can only assume a lot of people who want to climb the social ladder through friendships with you. How do you trust people and let them in? You seem to me someone who has a who has a good gut and intuition. I have the worst gut and the worst intuition when it comes to looking friends. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I've done a really lousy job of that, and I still work on it. I can say today that the people in my life are the best quality women that I've ever had in my life on this planet. Mm. but it took a lot of bad mistakes right? because my nature, and it will never change by the way, I wish I could learn from it, but I'm not because my nature is to trust. And then if you do something wrong to me, then I probably still trust you. And then if you do something wrong to me again, then maybe I'll get rid of you, but it takes a lot to get rid of you. My daughter who learns from my mistakes and is very observant and has watched me suffer through the years is the opposite. She doesn't trust you. She mm-hmm. will have to earn it to get in. Now, I don't necessarily like that either. I think it makes it harder to make you know friends, but she's also been hurt by friends and she's seen how I've been hurt by friends. So she's much more, you know, reserved. Me? No, you're right in. I still don't learn. You're right in. You're right in. How do you do, how do you build a trusted team? Are you that way with when you're building like members of your team for your business? Are you instantly trusted? I've been very lucky. I, um, I trust my instinct and I've been very right on my instinct. I've had the best assistants who, um, you know, I kind of make a deal with my assistants. I think I told you this. So they come, they come in let's say, hi, I say, I need, let's, we're going to make a deal. I need you to give me two years. I need one year for you to learn everything you can from me. I need the second year for you to do everything you learned from me. And then you could stay or you could go on. But if you go on, I will help you land wherever you want to go. I have a lot of you know contacts and you'll meet so many people through me. I mean, just working for me, you the access you have to people is incredible. Like yesterday, we went to Sirius Radio to Jeff Lewis. My assistant came with me. She would never have access to something like that if she just worked in a job somewhere. So, right. Um, but I asked for two years because it's very hard to train and there's a trust factor and you become attached. But I know that I don't expect someone to stay longer than that because the way the world is, you know, you got to move on, you got to go forward, but I'll get them wherever they want to go. And it's worked out great. I mean, every, my last assistant is now like top at Google, uh, but not, I don't think she works for Google directly. I think she works for a company that supports them, but she does their events all over the world. She's always on a plane. My other assistant started his own uh, company out in California and he's uh, managing people and he's writing scripts and he's doing all kinds of stuff that he always wanted to do and used a lot of the contacts he met through me to support it. So, and he's still, and I still talk to him all the time and I come to him for advice and he still helps me with stuff. That's incredible. Yeah. I've been lucky when it comes to people who work for me because I'm really, I make them like family. Ruby's in my apartment every day. She sees me getting naked. I mean, you know, it's like you can't get more intimate than than having somebody working at home with you because I work at home. 
Right. And you're very, very generous with everybody. That's for sure. So we were talking about rugs and we were talking about how that's just not something that's worth spending, you know, thousands of dollars, something. What's something else? Like what's one thing that you, even though you could, you refuse to spend a lot of money on? Well, I used to spend a lot of money on sheets. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, Serena and Lily was my go-to, but, um, you know, my problem is Gary has terrible psoriasis, although I got him on now Tesla and it's working. So I don't know if anybody, any of your listeners um, have psoriasis or suffer, but Gary went to the doctor. He refused to get anything. And it was on literally 80% of his body, by the way, he looked like a burn victim. So I finally convinced him to go to a doctor and she looks at him and she goes, wow, I've never seen it that bad. I'm like, what do you mean you've never seen it that bad? She goes, yeah. I said, well, why not? And she says, because people don't go that bad. They get treatment, you know? Anyway, so he's on a Tesla. But up until then, he bleeds on all my sheets, you know? And the blood doesn't come out. So I'm like, with the peroxide, someone told me peroxide works. It does work sometimes if you catch a fresh piece of blood, peroxide comes out. But all this other stuff. So anyway, so sheets is a place I don't think you should spend a lot of money on. I think you should just get ones that are easy to, you know, wrinkle-free or as close to you can. Um, another thing not to spend a lot of money on, um, clothes. I mean, I have, listen, I have a lot of expensive clothes. And where did it get me? You know, they're sitting in my closet. They're dated. I don't even want to wear them anymore. I fell in love with Zara two years ago or four years ago, maybe. And I don't like it anymore. I've been to Zara like five times this year. I didn't buy one thing. So I hope they've changed. I hope that this isn't a permanent situation. But Zara had all the designer clothes knocked off for a lot less money. So I like that. I mean, I think clothes, bags spend money, but shoes, I mean, shoes, same thing as rugs. As soon as you walk on a shoe, it's used and your heel breaks and it gets scratched. It's not something that's going to go up in value. Right. Um, you know, so I, I do, I, you know, I like, okay, I live in, I live in New York city. There's Uber and Via and all these ride sharing companies. Right. Right. I would rather I go in Via for $5 because I meet it at a corner and I get off at a corner and sometimes people get in and out of the vehicle. No problem. If I'm not in a rush, if I'm in a rush, I go where I have to go. But oftentimes I do car sharing. Why not? $5. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Like I'll save my money in certain ways and then I'll spend all this money on a bag. But the right. thing that I buy is going to go up in value if it's an Hermes Birkin. You're, you're a human calculator and you're going to, and I think, and one of the things that's mentioned in, in your book is talking about, we can't judge other people about the way they spend their money because everybody, things are important to different people. If I was driving in a car every day of my life for several hours, then a car is probably going to be really important to me. Right now I go to my kid's school and back home. Like, so it's not that big of a deal, but, but then have making an investment in another building or land. That's where I want to spend my money right now because I'm trying to wealth build. Right. But, but how we can't judge people in what they spend their money on. Right. Well, you know, we all judge everybody. So that's ridiculous. Right. I mean, we do. We're not, we shouldn't, you know, but we do. Um, I will tell you one thing. If you lend someone money, you're never getting it back and you can't judge them. Like I've done this. I've lent. Uh, so I'll look at somebody and I'll see that they spent, I'm not going to say who, somebody I know who spent, who had a green sink in their kitchen. Okay. And said they needed a new sink. They want to get another green sink, a different green sink. I'm like, you don't have any money and you want to spend $5,000 on another sink. And they wanted to borrow money from me. They want to borrow money from me for this. And I'm like, you know, am I allowed to judge them? Right. Uh, on what they're going to spend the money on? Uh, yeah, I didn't lend the money. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, that's terrible, but it's true. So, I mean, the thing is, if you lend someone money, you're not supposed to, you know, it's hard to judge, but don't ever expect it back. That's a big lesson you should tell your listeners. Yes. We don't, you loan, you don't loan, you give. Give it, give it with happiness and a smile and never ask for any. Oh, another piece of advice. This is great advice. I wish I could take it myself more than I do is better to be asked and give than to offer. If you offer, you're never appreciated. Like, oh, oh, I'm going to the airport. Do you want to ride? Because I can drop you off. And they'll be like, okay, great. And that's it. But if someone's on their way to the airport and they say, do you think you can give me a ride? And you're like, okay, I'll give you a ride. Oh my God, thank you so much. I mean, something as simple as that. You mentioned earlier uh, your daughter, Allie. How did you navigate raising your daughter in an affluent family? And how did you foster her independence? Well, first of all, I think she raised me. I think she's my teacher on this earth. I do. Um, I Allison is very grounded. Um, 
and knows the value of money. I think part of it is because her father um, had other children and other family obligations and, you know, earned a living, but wasn't affluent, so to speak, um, and wasn't as free to, to spend. And I was. So she saw the, I, I, I don't like to say this because it's not the haves and the have nots, but it's just a difference. So she was able to see the difference her whole life. And I think it made her um, understand it. Doesn't mean she's not spoiled. Doesn't mean she doesn't want, want, want from me. But she does understand the value. And when she wants to be frugal, she can be. And when she wants to watch her money, she knows how. Let's put it this way. Her money, she knows how to watch. My money, not so much. You know, and that's just kids in general. But I have to say, I think I raised a very grounded, smart girl. Yeah. Smarter than me sometimes. Like I said, she's my teacher. She was just smart. Just like Avery. I always say Allie and Avery had a lot in common. Uh, Ramona's daughter. They did. They both seem very wise for sure. Okay. So I have three more questions for you and then I'll let you go. Um, we've mentioned him a few times throughout the podcast, Bobby, that you lost, um, you lost your husband to cancer. So of course we're very, very sorry for that. But I would love to know, um, was there anything that he said as he was in, you know, going towards the end of his life. You know, I wish I could say he did, because I remember one day I said to him, I had my phone, thank God for phones, right? And I said, do you want to leave a message for your kids? Do you want to leave a message for anybody that I can play in a year? Uh, he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, no. He wasn't a man in many words, you know? Bobby was just Bobby. He was just the best. Um, I learned a lot of lessons from him. And I live my day, uh, every day I think of him. I wake up in the morning, I think of him. I go to bed, I think of him. I wear his watch. I look at the time, I think of him. Gary has been incredibly loving and supportive, my man in my life, about Bobby. You know, it's got to be hard for, like he says, how do I, how do I, you know, step into someone's shoes like Bobby? And I say, you don't. There is no, there's nobody who can replace him. Right. Just like there's no one to replace you, Gary. Nobody. Nobody's as funny and as charming and as, you know, witty and all these other things. So, you know, Gary, ha Gary has these great qualities and Bobby has different qualities that were great. And, um, you know, but sometimes I do torture Gary and I'll say it and Bobby would never do that. <laughs> Bobby would never do that. But he doesn't get mad. He doesn't get more. Yeah. I love what Jeremiah Brent said to Nate Burkus on their wedding day. I think part of his vows is he said, I honor every part of your past. Oh, I'm going to write that down. I honor every part of your past. It was wow. really beautifully said. And just meaning, you know, we're not going to pretend like that didn't happen. We're not going to pretend like anyone's replacing anybody. I, But I want to honor it. We're going to move forward, but I want to honor every part of your past. I thought that was so beautiful. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's profound. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, so two more questions. What has your experience with failure been like? Have you ever done something embarrassing personally or professionally? What's your best advice for someone who has made a mistake personally or in business that needs to fix it? Like, how do you handle public failure or personal failure? What do you do? It's horrible. Um, you know, you try to get advice from the people you love and maybe listen. Okay, so Bobby would say, if Jill just listened to me, she wouldn't have gotten in trouble so many times. And he was right. He was right. So sometimes you can't see the forest in the beyond the trees. The wait, what's the expression? You can't see the forest through the trees. Right. You can't see the trees through the forest. Forest through the trees. And um, my, my best advisor was right in front of me. Mm. Bobby had all the answers and I didn't listen to him. Yeah. So maybe you have to open your eyes more and be more of a listener. Open your ears more. And not be so stuck in that your way is right, that you know. That would be my advice. Try not to always think you're right. Be open to other ideas for sure. Okay, last question. Um, and I always end with this question because I, I don't know why. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> um, what is one purely selfish thing that you love to buy for yourself or that you, you would love to buy for yourself? Like totally frivolous, but so worth the money to you. I know exactly what I would want. And I've said it on, on the show. So if anybody, you know, remembers the show, a big pee-pee. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a private plane. Yes. If I had unlimited money, you know, I was Bill Gates, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about me doing well. I'm talking about unlimited money. Yes. I want a private plane. I've always loved them. I fly them uh, when I can, when I can do it. There was a company called Jet Smarter that made it affordable for people like me who are doing well, but can't afford private plane well. Um, 
to fly and they recently changed and we can't do what we used to do. I could still fly, but it's more expensive than it was. Like back then you paid one price and it was unlimited flying private. It was a crazy model. It could never sustain. I knew it would blow up. I just hoped it would take longer to blow up. Right. Um, and hopefully someone else goes back into that business. But in any case, private plane travel is a luxury that everybody could, should, if they can, experience once because it does make you feel very special. So that would be my luxury. Okay. Thank you, Jill, so much for joining us. Everyone, I want you to tell, tell everybody where we can find you and where um, they can get your incredible rugs. Well, you're very kind and generous to give me so much time and to promote my rugs so much. You're so sweet. But I promise you, you guys will love it. We're giving you a special promo. It's Jay-Z Podcast, right? Jessica Zimmerman or Jill Zarin, however you want to remember it, podcast. And you will get 10% off. I'm sorry. You will get uh, 10% off everything over $50 um, purchase. Over a $50 purchase, you get 10% off on everything. And it's free shipping. So hopefully, and it's free returns. I don't know if it's free returns, but we return, however that works, if it doesn't work. You can also order sample swatches. For like $5, we could send you a little piece if you're not sure if that's what you want. So jillzarin.com is where you can find me. You can email me at jill at jillzarin.com. Very easy to find. And I will get back to myself. But Jessica, I'm so proud of you. The business that you've grown out of Little Arkansas is just incredible. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So proud of you. Thank you. And thank you for being on here today. I know everyone is going to have learned so much from you. So thank you. Thank you. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.